0: Good morning! It's good to be here. And it's good today because we've got a couple of firsts. First preach in December, which means first preach with gloriously decorated Christmas tree in the background, yes? Very Christmassy indeed. Second first, preaching in a jumper. Never done that before. Never done that before ever. I'll tell you why I'm doing it because there's no heating on at the Jubilee Center and it's 12 degrees, which some of you would go, oh no, it's so cold, I'm loving it. Perfect temperature to move around in, do a bit of preaching, get to wear my nice jumper. It's lovely, really. Anyway, I'm not here really to tell you about that. I'm here to bring the word of God to us today. I'm here to uh, encourage us to dig into God's word and find some treasures today for us to live our life by. So. My name is Ben. I'm at the Juby Centre and we're going to look at James 4 verses 11 to 12 together. So if you'd like to open your Bibles or um, on the screen here is going to appear the text and we're going to read it. This is what it says. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbour? Now, when we come to the word of God, we come to hear what God has to say to us. And we come to have our attitudes changed and our behaviours changed. But this passage here sits in the context of a wider passage where James is really trying to get hold of and help us get a right attitude, particularly about ourselves, but also about others, about the law and about God. So we just had Chris a couple of weeks ago help us get hold of this idea that we need to humble ourselves before God. We need to be humble and not proud. James in this passage is going to encourage us to not judge others. And then the next bit goes on to talk about how we shouldn't have overconfidence in our plans or overconfidence in ourselves. James is really hitting the same nail on the head. It's this, our attitude, primarily to ourselves, but that rolls out into all areas of our lives as well. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to invite God. To help us get an accurate view of ourselves, of others, of his law and of God himself. Now I want to do, what I want to do is to pray for us, to pray for me as we do that. So if you just want to join me. Father, I thank you for this chance to come before your word. To be changed, to be altered. But we're not just coming to words on a page. We're coming to a living God who wants his children to be more and more like Jesus. To be sanctified to grow in righteousness i thank you that's what you're about today lord so i ask you come and meet with us as we humble ourselves before your word help us get hold of what you want to say to us individually and corporately and help us live that out i pray amen now any fans of strictly out there hmm Great theme tune. Uh, big fans of my, uh, my, my girls, my wife, huge fans of Strictly. Um, and I just want, to, just want you to imagine for a second that um, I am part of the Strictly dance troupe. Now, those who've seen me on the dance floor will not be surprised. Your imagination will not have to be stretched too far for this illustration to work. But imagine I'm part of that dance troupe and involved in a group dance at the start. It's spectacular. It's challenging. It's an extravaganza. And in the midst of the dance, I noticed Aliash messed up a fleckle. Oh, such a simple maneuver and he's messed it up. And I say to my partner, Oti, she'll be my partner of choice, best dancer, best teacher, Oti, did you see Aliash mess up that fleckle? Oh, ridiculous. Elementary dancing, he can't even pull it off. But you know something, by me focusing on Aliash and judging him, I've missed two steps myself. I've missed what I should be doing. I've lost the rhythm. My focus has been in the wrong place. If I'm gonna perform well in that dance, I need to be totally focused on me and my actions. Yes, I need to be aware of what's going around me, but I shouldn't be criticizing or judging others. This is the essence of what James is saying to the church. You shouldn't have a focus on others and judging them. And I want us today just to reflect, do we do that? Do we judge other people? And of course we say, well, we don't speak against other people. We wouldn't be horrible like that. No, no, no. But mm, do we judge? Let me give you a couple of examples, a few examples. These are all from real life. These are not made up. These have actually happened with people in our church. So, imagine the scenario Encliffe Park, a couple in love, married, walking through the park, and they see someone else, a friend, across the way, and you observe this happening. The friend runs across, and they embrace, and they hug, and you're like, it's lockdown, social distance, people, come on. Or another example, I was chatting to a student once, and he was conveying how he struggled with the fact that the, um, a particular wealthier member of the church had multiple cars, multiple possessions, and he was annoyed by the fact they weren't doing more. and They had so much stuff. And he said, that's not godly. It's not good. Two examples. Third example. Well, this is a bit different, actually. Kids, ha- have you noticed, kids, sometimes... During the meeting, during the preaching, maybe even right now, your parents don't look like they're listening. They don't look like they're really engaged with what's happening, with what I'm saying. If you notice that, they're switched off. that they look like they're not interested at all. It can happen. It can happen in our household. James says this in verse 11. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. Don't speak against one another. It's really simple. Don't bad mouth. Don't talk down. Don't discuss other people negatively behind their backs. Don't slander them. It's really clear. He's saying don't judge Other people don't arrive at definite assessment of a situation or someone, and especially not if you've got the full facts. If you haven't got the full facts, I mean. So these situations I've just given, with the couple that embraced another person in the park and got all the tuts from the people around them, it was their lodger who was part of the same household and they just happened to meet in the park and because of the surprise, they decided to embrace. It was totally legitimate and totally appropriate, even under lockdown. Or the conversation I had with my student friend, he was talking about one of the most generous people I know in our church. He'd arrived at a conclusion, he judged the situation, but he didn't know what was really going on. He didn't know the facts and kids, even though your parents may not look like they're listening all the time to what's going on a Sunday morning. Do you know something? They are probably listening and they're taking it. Shall we test it? Shall we try it out to see if they are? Right. Parents, if you have children in the room, I would like you to stand up. Kids, if they're not listening, give them a little poke. Stand up. Right, I'd like you to stand on one leg. I'm, you can't see that, but I'm standing on one leg. I'd like to put your arms out and then put your hands in and flap and make the sound of a chicken. You see, they were listening. They were listening, kids. It may not look like they were, but they were listening. We don't need to judge on appearances. Proverbs 10, 18 puts it this way. Whoever spreads slander is a fool. Whoever talks badly about other people is a fool. Whoever speaks against other people is a fool. Now, I'm pretty confident that no one here wants to claim the title of being a fool. We want to be those who are wise and godly. So put very simply, you and I can take this instruction very easily. We're not going to speak against other people. We don't want to do that. And we're not going to judge james gives us two solid reasons why we shouldn't judge and i'm going to sneak a third in there because that's what i like to do so two reasons we're going to look at two reasons and a third sneaky reason why we should not judge reason number one when we're judging we're looking in the wrong place with the wrong attitudes. We're creating a false view of ourselves. And I think this is the main point that James is dealing with in this chapter. You see, judging, comes from pride. Judging comes from a desire to elevate ourselves. Judging comes from a desire to make ourselves appear better. Anytime we judge or criticize, what we're doing is diminishing and reducing our view of someone else in order to elevate ourselves, in order to raise ourselves up. It comes from pride. It comes from a desire to appear better than we actually are. It comes from a desire to, to say we're better than someone else. Now you might argue well it doesn't, but it, I think it does. <laughs> whenever we want to look at someone in a bad light, whenever we want to criticize someone, whenever we want to arrive at a conclusion without the full facts, it's because we want to feel better about ourselves or often it's the case. Paul says this in Romans 12, verse three. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. If we think of ourselves with sober judgment, we're less likely to judge. If we think of ourselves accurately, we're less likely to criticize and speak against other people. And this is something Jesus spoke into as well in Matthew 7. He said this, don't judge unless you be judged in the same way. He was clear The judging is wrong, we should not do it. And he tells the story, doesn't he, of a man with a plank in his own eye. I, I do have a plank. Here's my plank, look, I'm gonna just stick it in my eye. Ah! Right, I can't actually, oh, I can read my notes, it's okay, we're okay. So, Jesus tells this story of a man with a plank in his eye and he goes over to someone else and says, Oi, mate! I think you've got a bit of sawdust in your eye. Do you want me to help you out? Jesus says it's ridiculous. There's no point in even looking for sawdust in anyone else's eye if you've got a plank in your eye. I can barely see with this here. I can see a little bit here and a little bit here, but I can't see. There's no way I could pick out sawdust from someone else's eye. And that's the point that Jesus is making. We've got to have our focus on the right place. We've got to have a focus on ourselves. Who are you assessing? Who are you judging? Who are you critiquing? What's your focus? Is it other people? Do you sit down and look around and make an assessment and elevate yourself and reduce them? Or are you someone who wants a sober opinion of yourself, who looks at yourself, who concerns yourself with how you are doing? Let's stop looking at others and their tiny bit of sawdust and focus on the planks in our own eyes. Here's another reason why James says it's so important that we don't judge. And to demonstrate this, I require some stickle bricks. And for you to see what I'm talking about, I'm gonna take a step closer to the camera. So don't get too scared. You'll see my face slightly closer, but it's mainly the stickle bricks that we're looking at. Here we go then. So this, this is the law of God. And this blue one is other people. We're gonna put those two together. And then this green one is me and you, okay? And what James is saying is this, that when we sit in judgment on other people, which we've already discovered is wrong, then something else happens. You see, we, we like to think we've snuck in this gap here. Well, I'm, you know, it's not good to judge people, but I'm just sitting in judgment of the person. It's fine. And the laws are. P- I'm still following the law. It's fine. It's OK, really. I'm still doing what God wants me to do. Maybe, you know, but we've discovered judging is wrong. But James says it's something worse that happens, something more drastically wrong that happens. He says this, when you judge a brother or sister or speak against them, you speak against and judge the law. You see, you put yourself above the law. You put yourself above God's commands and what he wants. You're saying you're better than what God says. You know more than what God says. And we know that's ridiculous we have the phrase that he thinks he's beyond, or he thinks he's above the law. And that phrase comes from someone who thinks they're better than the law. Now you and I know that's not a good idea. And James is saying this is the situation. We don't judge others because it means we're sitting in judgment on the law. We know that we should be submitting ourselves to the law. Let's read the text. That's what it says. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. And anyone who judges or speaks against a brother or sister judges and speaks against the law. That's what happens. You see, it's creating a wrong relationship with God's word. It's creating a wrong relationship with his plan for our lives. When we judge others, we're putting ourselves up, not just above them, but above the law. It's not to happen. James says this is no good. You see, our relationship with the law should be this, do us, not judge us. We should be keeping it, not sitting in judgment on it. So James is saying, don't judge. You're just putting yourself in the wrong place. You're putting yourself above the law. You shouldn't be doing that. Here's a third reason. And this is the one I'm sneaking in very quickly. And it's kind of obvious, It's so obvious that I don't think James feels he needs to say it, but I'm gonna say it for us today. When we speak against other people, when we judge brothers and sisters, it rips the church apart. It tears relationships. It damages the beautiful thing that God is building. Psalm 133 says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there the Lord bestows a blessing. There is blessing for us, church. There is great blessing for us as we come together in unity. As we come together in vision, as we come together to worship, as we come together to connect, to reach this city, there is great blessing that can be ours. But when we speak against one another, when we judge one another, we damage that unity. We rip the church apart. We're called to unity, not judgment and separation. I just want to finish... By um, grounding this, I think it's a, a relatively simple concept and a relatively simple idea that we know we shouldn't do and we kind of sneak into doing it. It's so important that we do not speak against and we do not judge. But what does it actually mean? How do we deal with that? How do we change? Well, firstly and foremostly, it has to be this. We must address our own issues first. When it comes to sin or issues or critiques, we must come to ourselves first. We've got to deal with the plank, not the sawdust. The plank has to be our priority. And so if you see, for instance, pride in someone else's life, repent of it in your heart first. If you see an issue or a problem or a concern in someone else's situation, Make sure you're dealing with it first. Make sure your first priority is to walk as well as you can before Jesus. Be more concerned with that than with other people and how they're walking before God. Secondly, we need to do the opposite of judging. James is saying do not judge and so we should do the opposite of judging, which you might think is not judging, but I don't think that's right. You see, I would suggest it's something different, and it's this, loving. The opposite of judging is loving. It's giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's thinking the best of other people rather than the worst. So it's not just avoiding judgment, it's actually loving others wholeheartedly and completely being for them, encouraging them, praying for them, loving them the best you can. And you see sometimes, ironically, bizarrely, and I'll explain this in a second, that involves a level of judgment. What do I mean? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, no? Yep, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 5. I thought I was right. Paul says to the church, you're taking issues that you've got to courts outside of the church. Why? You as Christian believers together should be able to judge within the church, bring about it in and judge it. He literally says, judge it. But James says, don't judge. Well, this is different. One, the context is a corporate together assessment for a situation that someone wants a judgment of. So we are to judge in certain situations when people bring things to us, either individually or corporately and say, I need you to help. I need you to assess. I need you to judge. We do judge then, of course. But James also, I don't know if you noticed the irony. James is saying this, don't judge. And we're going, James, you just judged us. You've just judged the church, how can you say don't, by by saying don't judge, you're judging, we might say. But we know instinctively it's not the same, don't we? We know that James bringing this and addressing it is not the same as the issues that he's addressing. Why? Well, one, he's doing it in love. He's responsible for these believers. He needs to encourage them and help them. He's seen something that needs to change. He's looked at the word of God and said, no, look, it needs to come in line with this. But also in his role that he's been given as an elder, as a leader of God's people. There's a call on him to help people by preaching what the word of God says. And there's an element, there has to be an element of judgment in that. So kids, unfortunately, your parents need to judge you because they've got a role. Now, it's not being critical or negative. The judgment, they've got to arrive at an assessment. They've got to see a situation and make a judgment. When you're arguing with your brother or sister or something, you want a judgment. You want it in your favor, don't you? You want them to say, no, you can have it. But they've got to make a judgment sometimes. But they do it with love. They do it with love. You see, the opposite of Judging is not not judging, but loving. And sometimes that involves judgment. What else do we need to do? And I'll finish with this. Verse 12 says this. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. There's only one lawgiver and judge. And there's only one saviour. Part of the encouragement here is we've got to let God be God. He's the one who's going to judge. He's he's created the law. He's the one who's going to judge. Jesus will judge at the end of time. 2 Corinthians tells us that. His job is to judge. And he'll have full facts, full information. and He'll judge rightly and justly. We've got to leave some things just to him and let him do it. But he's also wonderfully and gloriously our Saviour. Because if you're anything like me, now let me tell you something, I spent this whole week doing this. Oh, I've just judged that. Oh, Oh, I've just judged them. Oh, oh, I've just judged that. And it's just highlighted how much judging there is going on in my heart. How I arrive at a negative assessment of the situation without love, without the full facts, and arrive at a conclusion and give it in my heart and in my head. And you know something? I've got a saviour. You've got a saviour. You've got one who is perfect. One who is righteous, who never sinned, who never judged. And he went to the cross for you and me. He went to deal with our sins so that when judgment day comes, we're not going to be punished for our sin. No, we are not going to be punished for all the wrongs that we've done if we're in Christ. Because he is our saviour. He is our saviour. So one way of responding to this message, of applying it to our life, is to come to the saviour, to come to the one who forgives our sins, to come humbly and say, I've got it wrong again. I need your forgiveness. Help me. And we come and we receive mercy. We receive forgiveness and we come and we have help to change our attitudes towards people towards the law towards ourselves towards him god comes by his spirit to help us now we're doing things slightly different this week because my expectation is this that in some way virtually everyone would have been challenged by this message i know reading this and preparing for it god's changed my heart i need to come to him humbly And say, I've got it wrong. I need to change my attitude. Please forgive me. And you know something? When we come and break bread and wine, there's no better place to ask for forgiveness. To sit at the foot of the cross with these symbols that designate what he's done for us. And remind of his his great sacrifice. So we're going to do that in a minute. And we're going to sing a song. And then I'm going to pray for us afterwards.